With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Wealth Psychology with Jamie and Emily on Sylvia Global Radio. We are so excited about today. We uh, are very passionate about the topic we're going to talk about today, and it's one that we feel like we're opening up one of these taboos that nobody has a space to talk into, and especially at this time with the way the election is and the way this country is talking about the haves and the have-nots, it's really an important conversation, and it has to do with when you are particularly a woman who has inherited wealth, when you have money in your life that you didn't necessarily have anything to do with how that money was created, and you didn't have anything necessarily to do with the decision-making that went into how you ended up receiving it, and you are getting regular distributions, possibly from a trust fund, possibly when your parents passed away, you suddenly found yourself in a position of receiving um, quite a bit of money or distributions coming from a trust. You don't know when they're coming or how much. What is it like and what is the impact of having that in your life? And it's a conversation that people are not having and they are feeling very isolated and alone about. And we are here to blow the lid off of it and talk about why it's so important to have this conversation and to really bring support to uh, this particular population of women. So, Jamie Traeger-Muni from Israel, welcome to it. All of me, Emily Bouchard here in California, from both of us from Wealth Legacy Group. We are so, you're absolutely right, Emily. We are so excited to have this conversation. You know, there's a fantasy that people have that the more money you have, the better your life is. And, you know, if I only had money, everything would be perfect. So when you have money, especially if you've inherited it and you haven't made it on your own, um, there's often this sense of you have nothing in the world ever to complain about. So could you imagine that experience of from birth, there's this expectation that you'll never have anything that you should complain about or, you know, somehow magically your life is perfect. Um, doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me and Especially in fact I know personally that what that's like. It doesn't feel perfect and you actually have some things that are not feeling so good. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? Let's look at our media. There's really no good role models around inheritors in general and women inheritors in particular. I mean, you know, I don't think Paris Hilton is who we, you know, all want to say, when my daughter grows up, I hope she'll be like that. Um, so it's hard. Inheritors um, often talk about feeling closeted, that this is an aspect of their life that they really don't want anybody to know about. They're embarrassed about it. They're ashamed of it. It makes them different than their friends. And that there's really a sense of to tell people could mean losing them as friends, having them make huge assumptions about them that, you know, aren't true, and that they would rather just never invite people to get close to them, which It's interesting what you said about the assumptions, because, I, I, I mean, there's so much you just said in, in that, that one statement. It's, it's quite extraordinary how um, the moment somebody finds out that um, – a woman is a recipient of wealth through an inheritance. She is suddenly impacted and her identity is impacted and people no longer look at her the way they used to. And you can't not not know that once you find out. So it's really, 
really a challenge. And um, sometimes there's the, the tactic of, well, I'm going to let them know sooner rather than later so that um, I don't have to deal with that change in how they look at me. But then there's a downside of that, which is, well, now are they friends with me because of that? Or are they friends with me not because of that? And the really tricky thing now is with the Internet and being able to Google anybody and how we always are doing that with our friends. And it doesn't take much for somebody to meet you, whether it's at a function or a party or an event or even a volunteering thing, and to Google you and find out all kinds of information about you. Well, and ironically, I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with that actually found out that they were going to be inheritors or in a position to be inheritors, they had wealthy parents from other people, you know, that maybe their parents had an IPO, um, you know, they sold their business and there was an article about them in, in the paper or in a, in a magazine. And it sounds like you would, you know, maybe I hear this once, but I, I really heard it on multiple occasions from clients. They come to school and somebody says, hey, look how much your parents just made or look how much, you, you know, they look up, look how much your house costs. And they really have no idea. And it's, it, it's so um, exposing. It almost feels like, you know, suddenly they're standing there completely naked. Um, and well, so and you're right. We just too is if you if you're associated with a family or you have relations in a family, that are um, extraordinarily wealthy, and you may be part of the family, and you you know you may be receiving some, but certainly not to the degree that others are. There could be a huge presumption about you and your capacity and what you have to offer. And well, you know, you know, why would you be taking a regular plane when you can take a private jet when it's not necessarily within your budget to have that? And yet, other members of your family do, and it's it's very confusing and. Um, there's so much that is at play within that whole um, experience in life when people presume different things about you that may or may not be true based on what they think and perceive or know your money situation is. And what we would love to do uh, just on the brief call we have today in terms of um, people listening right now, in terms of what we can offer to people listening um, later on on the Internet is how to maximize and really tap into your inner strength, your inner resilience, where you are you are grounded and aware that you are much more than your money, that your money doesn't define you, and that you have really adept, uh, wonderful ways of responding to uh, what you perceive are the assumptions and the reactions of other people. So... Uh, so delighted to be able to have this. Jamie, you are so passionate about this conversation. I wonder if you maybe want to give a little bit of background about what has you come into um, wanting to work with and why we've developed Wealth Legacy Group, particularly with uh, women inheritors in mind on a certain level, um, because um, it's such an important topic. And I, just, you know, I know you could just talk at length about this. I would love to do that. I, I want to also add that... Um, this is a show we found in our experience when women in particular, but inheritors in general, are able to um, talk about their experience openly, to share some of their concerns, um, then there's such a feeling of freedom. So we really want to um, leave this time open as well for people to call in great when we have calls to talk, you know, to bring their questions, to bring their concerns. Um, again, I think people will be surprised as you hear the questions, um, you know, as you hear one inheritor's question, how resonant it is for other inheritors, because they're very similar. Um, and in that vein, I, I'll answer your question. Um, I originally started Wealth Legacy Group because I felt like these kinds of conversations weren't being had. That mm -hmm. taboo, that money was a taboo, and we just weren't talking about it. I saw it in my personal life. I saw it as a psychologist in my professional life. People could talk to me forever about what was going on in the bedroom, but they weren't talking about um, what was going on in their pocketbook. And particularly if they had a lot of money, they weren't talking about it. 
Um, and it really was tampering who people were, you know. Emily, you just talked about uh, what we hope to bring listeners today is a sense of not being defined by their wealth. Well, when there's something that you're always avoiding in a conversation or that you don't have freedom to talk about, it, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a burr under the saddle. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more annoying and more annoying, and it, and it hampers your freedom to um, to act and to be yourself. So that was an opportunity that, you know, I had personally, I grew up in a family that's uh, part of a family business, second generation. My father started the business and then um, my siblings and for a time, my husband-in-law, my husband-in-law, my husband was part of it. And uh, also I'm part of a family foundation. Um, oh, no, so, this, this really, this speaks to a very particular piece we want to bring forward right away, which is one way to start to feel more empowered and to recognize that you're way more than the number of uh, dollars in your bank account or where that money came from is all the different roles that you play in life. And um, I love that you said that. Like you just kind of offhandedly say, yeah, you know, members of the, the family business and the foundation and a daughter. I mean, you named so many different roles within a very, one sentence really. And people lose sight of that because our culture, um, the world that we live in revolves so much around money and how much you have, that that seems to be the defining aspect of ourselves. And the more we can be in a place of, wait, I'm a daughter, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I, um, I have a role within the business as an owner, I have a role as a beneficiary of a, perhaps a trust, and I might have other roles within the family system as well, perhaps executor or um, power of attorney. Um, a lot of the women that we work with are in the sandwich generation where they have aging parents, and they're having to make a lot of decisions on the behalf of the parent. Um, and then they're also looking at being the executor of an estate and having to make decisions and really be there for their siblings and their nieces and nephews. And uh, it's, there's so many different aspects to that. And then also family members can be trustees. And this is just within the construct of the initial family dynamic, just your family. We're not talking about your roles at the boards you might be on, the uh, businesses or the, the work that you may be doing, um, perhaps you started your own company. Perhaps you are working with a, a partnership. Um, you're both of those, Jamie. You, you started Wealth Legacy Group in 2005, and you brought me on as a business partner in 2010. And so you are a business director and owner, and also manager and uh, founder. And then you know you have a partner. You're a business partner. So all of those different hats are things that we have as identifying aspects of ourselves and who we are. Emily, I think you're making such... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, You're making such an important point that we are an uh, amalgamation of our very different roles and we bring different things. And, you know, ironically, I, I... I think you're absolutely right that people sometimes forget. They get too hyper-focused. Other people, particularly looking at inheritors, they tend to um, have blinders on and really see that person only as an inheritor. So any accomplishments they do, oh, it's because they have money, you know, not because they have their own value or talents. And interestingly enough, I find, and I'm curious what, what you see in this, Em, with the clients that you've worked with, I find that inheritors tend to disown that aspect of themselves. They're able to often see themselves on many different levels, and they would like to, um, you know, it's like a tail. Being an inheritor is a tail. They don't want to ever look at it. It's behind them, you know, that they hide it. So, um, you know, I would invite people also to, while they're embracing all their multiple roles, to also be able to embrace their role as an inheritor, and we can start to create, this is exactly what Sylvia Global is all about, Mm -hmm. recreate a way to look at wealth, 
recreate the image that we want of inheritors. So it doesn't have to be the spoiled brat or the trust funder or the silver spoon kid, um, but it could be something powerful and engaging and that people would be delighted to own as part of their selves. You know, and what you, that speaks so strongly into a core aspect of what it's like to be an inheritor, which is there is a lot of internal conflict around it. And as much as there's a part, like, let me just deny or ignore the fact that I have that tail when it's, you know, knocking things around behind me. You know, it's like there's there's something that's really empowering around honoring and acknowledging all of who we are. And when there's an inner conflict around some aspect of who we are, that is going to drive certain aspects of our life um, under the surface. And the more we can be in a place of owning, yep, I'm that and I'm these other things, can really be helpful. And the other thing that I wanted to say is, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've worked with a number of clients where when they're working within the family business um, that they're benefiting from as an inheritor, they also find themselves working tremendously harder and having to prove themselves over and above and beyond anybody else that would have come in from the outside to compensate for the fact of, of having to deal with what you said earlier in terms of the presumptions around, oh, they're just in that role because it's their family. And so there's a way in which no matter how hard they work or how much hard they produce or whatever they do, it's not enough. They have to continually keep proving themselves. And it's, it does become this incredible burden and weight at times because they didn't necessarily ask for it and they get a lot of benefit and privilege because of it, but there's also the burden. And one of the things we're really committed to is what can we do to ease that burden and make it so that you can really strive with what you have in your life. So true. And I think that that, that sense of um, constantly needing to prove yourself is even more um, substantial for women inheritors and women in the family business. Um, you know, because I think in so many instances, there's, you know, it's that double stereotyping of, who is an inheritor and who is a woman in business. And um, so, you know, it is that constant feeling. And then how do you, I think the other big thing that always comes up around being a woman is how do you balance? How do you find balance between um, doing, you know, your work and your career and your family and feeling like you're doing what you want and then also feeling like, um you know, you are bringing value. I think that's something that um, our women inheritors struggle with as well, is that feeling of they may not need to work for pay, um, and yet there's some things that work brings us around self-esteem, around feeling like you're part of a team and that you have a purpose and that you're making a difference um, that really is beneficial. And, again, it doesn't need to be work for pay, Um and doing something that you feel really good about and proud of and feel like you can contribute is an important, I believe, an important, I think we believe, an important piece of um, being a fulfilled human. Well, we have a really great question that just came in that um, I'm excited about, Jamie, because we are a global company with you over in Israel and me in the States. Uh, we have an email question that came in from the Netherlands. And it is, are the problems that women inheritors face universal or culturally different? And maybe you could speak into the the group um, that you got to experience in London that were from all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always laugh because the, the group, first of all, that is, that's a great question. And I, I thank the, uh, the listener. And it's great to know that we've got listeners in the Netherlands. Um, Whenever I've worked with a group of women inheritors, um, usually the initial session I have at least four hours for a small group for maybe eight people. And we never get past the introductions because people are so delighted to talk about freely, to really be able to let down their hair and speak about this aspect of themselves that they, for the most part, have never spoken about. 
And what's amazing is I, I find that, of course, there's cultural differences. Um, you know, there can be regional differences, even in one country, and the similarities that inheritors face is much more bonding and much more similar than any of the differences. Um, and it's always amazing. Again, you know, we don't get very far because people are always saying, oh, I can't believe you had that experience. I didn't think anybody else felt that way. I didn't think anyone else was ever embarrassed to bring their friends to their house, you know, whatever it might be. And there's this sense of tremendous delight and relief that other people have experienced what you have and also that you're not the only one. So it, it, I found in my experience, it really um, is that the experience is very similar. How about you, Emily? Yeah, I that's been my experience. Definitely, and uh, it's the human experience. It's a human experience cross-culturally. It's been experienced in terms of um, what happens in life and what the impact is on your life when a tremendous, enormous gift is given to you that you had no say in when, how, and what the structure is around it. And anybody who's listening, no matter where you are in life, can relate to this. And it may seem like a very small analogy, but you can relate to it in your body. Uh, Think of a time when you were uh, celebrating a birthday or um, a holiday um, where gifts are given. And um, you have received lovely gifts. You've been really enjoying them. And then a surprise gift is given to you. Somebody comes forward and they're really excited to give you this gift. And perhaps they've made it themselves or they really, they, they want you to have this gift and you open it up and it's obviously a lot of time and thought and energy and money went into this gift on some level. And um, I can remember this really vividly as a child when my mother's mother, my maternal grandmother, um, was so excited to give my mother a gift. And it was something she'd worked on the entire year and she'd taken classes on it. She'd gone to ceramic classes and she made this uh, potato salad bowl out of ceramic that was the shape of a giant potato. And there were like eight little, eight little potato bowls and then eight spoons. And unbelievable the amount of time and attention and energy and investment that went into creating this set for my mother. And I just looked at my mother and she was like, so appreciative of all that went into it, but I can tell you as a child that set never came out except when my grandmother came over. And it was so not my mom. Like when you go into our home, that never, ever would have been something she would have gone into a store and said, oh, do I love this. And it's not to say that other people wouldn't. It was just completely different than anything my mom would have liked. And um, it was this myth in terms of acknowledgement of who my mother was and what really mattered to her. And, you know, we see this for inherit, and I know it's like it's a small thing, but it has an impact. Like my mother's life was impacted by that bowl. It then became something that she had to keep. She couldn't just get rid of. She had to be mindful of when and how she used it. And she hid it away. She didn't want other people to see it. You know, it was really interesting when I look back on that. And when you think about the impact of having a tremendous amount of money and wealth being given to you, but within structures that you don't have any say about when you get it, how much you get. And sometimes you may even have very clear restrictions on what and how you can use that money for Emma, it's such a great analogy. I love that because it really puts it in um, a tangible way that everyone can understand. And, you know, it's so interesting because I love how you describe how your grandmother presented it to her and with great pride. Uh, And, you know, the funny thing is how the gift, which, you know, is, is, I think, for the most part, always thought of by the giver as a gift. And like you said, not necessarily by the recipient as a gift they wanted. Um, What's remarkable with inheritances is how the gift is given so often. Because 
it isn't usually given with great pride. And let me, you know, I can only imagine that your grandmother probably said, oh, let me, let me show you all the details that I did. And let me explain to you how I saw your, you using these little bowls. And let me, you know, that is not usually how the gift is given. So often the gift is given in sort of a covert way. You know, somebody opens up a letter, you know, from the bank that says that they've inherited this money or they get called into their parent's advisor's office. And it isn't that the parent sits down with them and even communicates, this is what I thought of in giving you the gift. These are my hopes for you in giving the gift. It's all done very, um, not secretively, but without conversation. And yeah. so then that leaves the recipient even more confused um, and bewildered. Yeah, and, you know, it's so interesting when I think about it. I mean, can you imagine if my grandmother had sat down with my mom at the beginning of the year and said, hey, I'm going to do a ceramics class, and I really want to make something for you. And I was thinking about a potato salad bowl. And if my mom had said, wow, that's so thoughtful, and I don't eat potato salad, um, what, you know, what what other things are, can you make? Like, what, can we look at other things? Like, you know, there might have been a nice way to include her. And mm-hmm. it's such an interesting thing in terms of how much people do not include the recipients of the inheritance when the recipient is going to be the one having to contend with the impact of the inheritance. Well, again, I think that goes back to our cultural idea that more is better and who wouldn't want money. And, of course, you know, and I think it's a totally revolutionary idea to think about as you raise your kids to be having conversation about your money philosophy, help your kids develop their own sense of what their money philosophy is. You know, what's the purpose of the money? We talk with our clients so often about doing, you know, what's your wealth plan? And they look at us very blankly. But if you ask them what their business plan was, they'd understand that. So developing that wealth plan, and then as the kids grow up, they can start to develop their own wealth plans and think about what resources they may need or like um, that would contribute to um, their getting what they want and having the life that they want. And I think what we're really talking about, Emily, and you made just such a good point right there, it's really about a dialogue, don't you think? I think so, and I think people don't necessarily trust themselves on how to have the dialogue, and there's a lot of fear around, well, if I include them, then they're going to think that they actually, that they're going to have a, um, you know, there's a way to include somebody without, with also letting them know what the parameters are in terms of how much say they actually will have and what the the ultimate structure will look like. Um, And that need for power and control often gets in the way um, Jamie, we have another emailed question that came in, um, and it's really wonderful that we're, we're having a global audience with this show. This emailed question is coming in from Calgary, um, and thank you so much for taking the time to do this. She's, this person says, there is an assumption that inheriting wealth results in a happier, more fulfilling, and more productive life. The problem is that it is not an unmitigated blessing. I feel like I have a false sense of security that is only linked to our money and it causes me to feel inferior in other parts of my life. This is really extraordinary. Um, I'm just so touched that we're reaching people that we can really make a difference for. Thank you, Gail Sylvia, for creating this. Um, I'm just feeling really moved that somebody could come in and speak into something that we know they don't really have any space to speak into around this. That sense of being and feeling Thank inferior. you for this listener for this honesty. Yeah. You know, again, uh, my guess is there's other listeners that are going, you know, nodding their head as their feet as they were listening to that that question. Yeah, and um, one of the things we want to let the other listeners know before we answer this is that you can go to blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash Sylvia Global, and post there. You can call in at 347-215-6138. And um, our hashtag on Twitter is uh, hashtag wealth psychology. 
So thank you so much for this. And one of the things that we really see from this comment from the listener is um, we really tease out this whole thing about if you have gotten inherited wealth, you have nothing that you can complain about, and what a gift and blessing, and I should have your problem. It's not an unmitigated blessing. And uh, there's actually a remarkable book that just hit the presses, and we know the authors really well, and we've been aware of this book as it's been being written, and it's by uh, James E. Hughes, Susan Nascenzio, and Keith Whitaker. And it's all about the impact of a gift that you don't have any say in. And, um, Jamie, do you know the exact title of it? It's The, the Gift. I, I'm going to look it up while we're talking because it's so important for everybody to be aware of. And the main thing that we want you to know is the analogy that they use because it's so important about capturing the impact. And what they actually say is that um, being given and receiving an inheritance is not too dissimilar from being um, impacted by the uh, having a meteor show up in your life. You can't necessarily prepare Which you wouldn't you think those are necessarily analogies that work. So. Right. Yeah, and it's like it's, you wouldn't necessarily think that um, 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 maybe you can know a meteor is coming, right? Like, yeah, I can Google my dad and see how much he's worth. I know about the IPO. I know it's highly likely that something's coming my way. But you don't know how big it is. You don't know when it's going to be hitting. And all you know is coming at you. And the big thing that and the book is called The Cycle of the Gift. And the big thing that they come across with is as soon as the gift is received, it has an impact, a dramatic impact in your life, and your life will never be the same again. And your job and your role in this world as you are getting ready to receive this or the moment that you've experienced it is how do I move with this? And what this um, really I, I think as a courageous listener wrote in about is um, it does have such an impact that it colors every other aspect of your life, can make you feel quite inferior, can make you feel ashamed, um, uh, disjointed, not necessarily able to know even who you are in relationship to the money and in the relationship to the world because of all of the different things that are now defining you. And the key element that um, that our colleagues have researched and written about in this book that we highly recommend you see in terms of what you can do for your children is building a sense of resiliency. Because when we have unexpected and expected life events that come at us, uh, the more we can be resilient, we can be a very strong, rooted, tall tree, we can with stand an impact of the hurricane or whatever it might be and still stand tall and strong in who we are. And uh, that a lot of, you know, when you go a lot of wealth um, site, websites, you'll see the image of a tree because that's one of the things that um, people who are in this field want to uh, really promote is you can be strong and tall and flourish and have shade for future generations. But what we really look at here at Wealth um, Legacy Group is what are your roots firmly embedded in? What are your core values, your core strengths, who you are, so that no matter what comes at you, you know you're okay, especially that false sense of security. Jamie, do you want to talk about that at all? And then we have another question that came in from Switzerland. Well, I think part of the the false sense of security and and part of developing the resiliency is about really seeing what reality is. So if we live in a culture that believes that the more money you have, the happier you'll be, and you have been giving a, given a lot of money, and yet you don't have a lot of happiness, but you buy into that that should be true, then you're making yourself more and more unhappy. So just the sense of owning that, A, you know, nothing is a magic pill that you get it and your life is automatically happier for everybody across the board. B, that there's, you know, good and bad 
um, benefits and difficulties, challenges that come with getting an inheritance and that it isn't, it isn't unmitigated. And once you allow yourself to acknowledge that and to be okay with it, to realize that that is actually normal, then you're able to start, you know, one of the things that makes trees so sturdy is that they are able to sway in the wind a little bit. They don't, they're not rigid against the wind. So I think that's a really important factor. Yeah, so important. Well, this is thrilling. When I think about the work we do with folks um, to address these issues intimately and personally and in very small groups, it's um, quite a blessing to be able to do this um, and reach people all over the world with it. Um, Jamie, the next uh, email question came in from uh, Basel, Switzerland. And it's uh, oh, great. What an international call. I know. I know. And I'll tell you what, when you hear this question, if they touch the hearts and minds of all of our listeners. Do you recommend that I tell or don't tell my boyfriend about the significant money that I will inherit when I am 25? I am serious about our relationship, but we've been together eight months. I feel like I am not being fully honest with him, but I also don't want him to change how he treats me when he finds out. The money, oh, so just in and of itself, this is an extraordinary question, right? And now get ready for this part. The money is a result of both of my parents being killed in an auto accident when I was 10 years old, and I was in the car with them. Hmm. We could spend the rest of the show on this question alone. There are so many complex components to this. And what a blessing to be able to give some support to this listener. And we know that there are other people listening that are impacted by wealth in this way as well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And Don't you want to start? I, I was just thinking there's so much wrapped up in this question. First of all, I want to acknowledge... I think that um, this listener pointed to one of the um, most important and most frequently asked questions that we get from female inheritors is, you know, when, how, if do I reveal about my wealth to a partner? And it's really challenging. I wish that what we had was a one-size-fits-all answer. Um, we do have certain pointers around, you know, this this common thing. I think that you already recognize some of the potential problems. Um, and I think, first of all, it, it comes from the best place that somebody can start in telling someone else about their wealth is trying to get to a place where they feel really comfortable with their own wealth so that they're able to tell about this aspect of themselves just like they might communicate with a partner about what religion they are or, um, you know, who they might vote for in election, um, you know, that it, it isn't something that is terrifying. That This is the ideal. I'm not saying that this is where most inheritors are when they make um, this reveal, but in an ideal scenario, because what we've seen is that it almost always doesn't matter what you tell somebody, what really gets communicated is how you tell somebody. So if you tell a partner feeling defensive or scared or worried, that even if, you know, just the way that you say it often gets communicated to that person. And then it opens up the door for intrigue about what, you know, what isn't being told or what did you keep from me? So, you know, I've said to clients before when they said, when somebody says to me, where did I get my money? You know, I've made the joke a little bit flippantly and said, you can tell them that you robbed a bank and they probably won't mind that much if you feel really confident in how you say it. Now, I'm not suggesting that's what you do, but that's the place that we start with giving people advice is getting really shored up for yourself about what happened. And in this circumstance, it's not only about receiving an inheritance, it's receiving an inheritance 
with a huge loss at such an early age that was so traumatic, both emotionally and I'm sure physically, since the since the person who asked the question was in the car with her parents. So there, I can only imagine that there must be so much wrapped up in this piece about yourself. And yet not to tell feels like you said that you're being dishonest, that you're not revealing a piece of yourself. Emily, do you want to add in there as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, a couple of things. Uh, one is um, if you haven't shared about your parents and the whole extraordinary circumstance around the death, that is a really important place to start, to build the context around this money and then also to speak into um, like your vulnerability around it. it. It's an extraordinary thing, the power that can come with vulnerability. And so speaking into how, you know, I would, I, there's, there's money attached to this loss. There are things that I'm going to be having um, to deal with for the rest of my life around this loss and around this money. And I would get rid of all the money in an instant if I could have my parents back. And I have to live with that. And I need somebody who can support me in navigating that because I also have a huge responsibility as the steward of their memory and of their wealth going forward. And I need somebody who I can really trust, who I know is going to stand by me and support me in the decisions I need to make around this and as I learn how to navigate them. And um, I also have uh, worry and fear around how this may impact our relationship, and that's what's kept me from speaking it. So by speaking into um, the emotion, the fear, the doubt that's kept you from talking about it, you open up a conversation that allows you to um, be more real and more authentic with the person that you are envisioning possibly spending the rest of your life with. And the other thing that we're really strongly aware of in our culture and in other cultures, and, you know, perhaps in Switzerland, I haven't looked at the statistics there, um, relationships aren't necessarily lasting lifelong now the way that they used to. Um, And one of the things that we really recommend for anybody with an inheritance is as you bring forward the conversation around your money, is this is a larger conversation for us in the context of our relationship because there's aspects of it that we'll share and then there's aspects that are always going to be just mine. And there will be a prenuptial agreement or a property agreement that will be part of this. Some things that I have a say about, some things that I don't. And we as a couple get to decide how we want to move with this reality. So there's lots about getting the data and sharing the data with each other, and then also you get a chance to see how this uh, man in your life moves when you show up vulnerable and in need and um, desiring him to be a certain way. Is he going to be supportive? Is he going to encourage and support you in being strong in your wealth and in your um, uh, sense of uh who you are and what it is that you want to accomplish with it and then that he can stand by you as a loving, supportive partner in it or is he going to want to take your hand and say, don't worry, I'll do it all for you or is he going to reject you because, you know, you get a chance to really see how he shows up and know that you deserve and can have a partnership that does fully support you. Um, And you know, Jamie, one of the things that occurs to me is we're having people emailing in from around the world, and one of the pieces that Soviet Global provides for people is anonymity. And uh, because we don't often have a place to go with these questions, people are also not necessarily wanting to even use Twitter or, or Facebook or, Soviet, or Blog Talk, and they're emailing. So I want to make sure people know the email address is Sylvia. Global Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. And when you email sylviaglobalradio at gmail.com, we get those emails and we can respond to you without knowing your name, without knowing your circumstances, and really be able to um, bring you the support you need 
And it makes me think about how our work is done with such a degree of confidentiality and support around anonymity. Do you want to say something about that? Yeah. Yeah, I just I was noticing that as well, and it's remarkable. I think it's it's really um, a real life example. You know, people say, "Oh, if I was an inheritor, I'd be loud and proud," and yet. You know, this is the only call I think we've had where people haven't actually called in, where we've just had emails. So, you know, there is that sense of I don't want even people to hear my voice um, who might recognize me. It is really difficult to own it. And, you know, that's something that Emily and I at the Wealth Legacy Group and certainly with Gail Sylvia and Sylvia Global really hope to change, to open this conversation wide up and to really have people feel invigorated and excited about their wealth and the possibilities of what they can do with it. So, Emily, I see us having this conversation um, again in the future because it's been so um, revealing. And, you know, I think all over the world we're seeing that people are having similar um, issues. And we also want to as we head towards the top of the hour, start to discuss our takeaways. And also today in a tool, we're going to talk about um, an opportunity that Emily and I are offering at the Wealth Legacy Group that would give women inheritors an opportunity to work face-to-face with us and also within a small group of no more than six women to be in these kinds of conversations for an extended period and really to help them move from the meteor coming at you and it, you know, has the potential of destroying you. Like, you know, this woman said her fear of telling her boyfriend who she cares so much about to the money being something positive and a tool to live the life that you want to live. So, Em, will you start with the evocative question for today? Um, Well, I just want to say, speaking into what you just said, um, that our Rich Life portfolio that we're offering on October 31st and November 1st in San Francisco, one of the women who's an inheritor who's going to be in that is being impacted by exactly this question. Her father actually died when she was in utero. She never met him. And she, um, uh, her mother died two years ago. And soon after her mother died, her paternal grandmother died, and she received an unexpected inheritance from a father that she didn't know. And so she was impacted by the loss of two two parents again and also the impact of wealth when she had always worked as a civil servant and in nonprofits. And um, she is now going to have a space of being able to interact with other women who have also experienced this tremendous um, shift in their lives um, in different ways, and to have a group that's confidential, supportive, um, and in her local area that she can uh, not feel so isolated because it is one of the biggest challenges that she faces, and she was really grateful to find out about it. Um, Jamie, I'm so torn because we have another question that came in, and I'm wondering if maybe we can use this question to segue into our tools. Is that okay to do that, or do you want to just go right into the tools? It sounds great. And then we can also take, we'll take this one and then the future emails, we're going to, if you email the day when we do our next show on this topic, we will for sure keep it. Um, And we can also answer people's questions um, offline as well. You know, we can be reached at 510-406-7178 and we're happy to go into more depth with people as needed. Oh, great. And we can also post our responses on the Sylvia Global Facebook page so people can see that and in our blog that uh, will come out as a result of this show. So uh, this is really exciting. And if you have other questions that you want us to answer on future shows or on the website, you can email sylviaglobalradio at gmail.com and put wealth psychology listener question in the subject line. And it's thrilling. And we'd love we have to hear people's in. ideas for shows as well. Oh, yeah, please, if you have other topics. Um, we have one question that came in from Orlando, Florida, and another from Tubac, Arizona. So we've got some great questions we're going to be responding to online. I'm going to read the questions out loud so people can be anticipating, and then we'll go into our um, the takeaways. So Orlando, Florida, 
My mother has had three marriages and is about to enter number four. I am engaged and scared that I will end up like her. I am 32 and I can't figure out how many of these bad relationship decisions are linked to the wealth. She grew up poor, married money, inherited it, and I have grown up being overindulged and confused. Wow. Thank you so much for being so open and willing to admit that. And it speaks so much into what is another big concern parents have when they inherit wealth and have it is how do I raise empowered versus entitled children? And so much wanting to give the children what they didn't have with that sense of being overindulged. And it does create a tremendous amount of confusion. So thank you for that. And we will definitely respond. And then the other one. And I would also say wanna... just really quickly oh, no. before you read the next one, Em. Uh-huh. Uh, I would send that call also to the archives to listen to um, some of your blended families and wealth conversations. Because that might be really apropos for her as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. On um, Blog Talk Radio, um, if you search Sylvia Global, there are a number of shows, or you can go to sylviaglobal.com, and if you look up under Emily Bouchard, uh, there are archive shows on there as well. Thanks, Jamie, for that one. Um, And then what – this is from Arizona. What resources can I use to prepare my children to be inheritors of wealth? Oh, well, that's the archive show from last week, which was Raising Empowered Children. Uh, so you can search for that one, and there's a lot of wonderful tools you can use and way to go to want to be um, proactive in preparing your children. Um, and we'll, we'll share more as well on um, the different um, global ways of reaching out with the Facebook page for sure. So let's get back to our takeaways so we make sure we give listeners um, value uh, that they can actually start beginning to use. So you want me to start with the evocative question? That would be great. Um, If you felt completely comfortable being a woman who is an inheritor, how might your life be different? How would it look different? We often invite people to visualize and open up new possibilities to start looking at your lives through different lenses. So if you felt completely comfortable being a woman who's an inheritor, how might your life look different? And our inspiring invitation is to explore the messages about money and wealth that you have learned from your family, from your culture, and from the media. And, yeah, just exploring those messages can really start to tease out what's true for me. What is it that I believe in? And what are the messages I want to start to directly uh, emulate and model and uh, live into? Because we get to create the cultural memes, the cultural stories, the images as well. We don't just necessarily have to be um, at the effect of them. And I think what you just said is so true. It's a story. It isn't the truth. So often what we see reflected back in the media or in our culture or what our family tells us, we think that's the truth and that's the only way. And it's not. It's just a story. And we get to choose which stories we endorse and which stories we then teach our children. And Emily, our useful tool. All right. So, uh, well, I just <laughs> just got notified that we have so many questions coming in. We have just begun to scratch the surface. We're going to be sure to post them on Facebook. We're going to start having a regular conversation about this. And, Jamie, you know, I'm thinking maybe next week we need to continue this. We've opened up a really remarkable conversation here. Uh, so yeah, and I like the idea. Questions. I just came up with this off the top of my head, Emily, but maybe – once a month, maybe the first, you know, Tuesday of the month, we make it a call about inheritors. Um, so people can regularly tune in and know that we're really going to focus on this issue because I think it is so important. And I'm just delighted that, um, you know, people are, are getting value out of it. Um, yeah, and I, I also want to get in touch with Gail Sylvia and see, you know, you mentioned Paris Hilton at the beginning of this call. Let's get her on the show. Let's talk to her really heart-to-heart, because I also know she's done some extraordinary things with her wealth that very few people know about. 
in terms of gifts to Children's Hospital and other ways. And she has a public persona and she has a private persona. And, you know, I believe that we have the capacity to have somebody of her caliber come on the show and really find out what's the impact in life for her. Wouldn't that be something? That's great. That's great. So, okay, so let's finish up with our useful tool. Um, we have a, a tool that we've designed called a Rich Life Portfolio. And the one that we're giving, this most recent one, is for women inheritors on October 31st and November 1st. And, what and Emily we, and I are uh, going to be together in San Francisco. Yes, and exciting for us. Yes, in the States, in San Francisco. So exciting. Um, the This intensive, it's a two-day intensive, and it's uh, a way to provide a safe and confidential environment to get to explore your common concerns and situations that are unique within your background. And as a group, you get to address feelings of being isolated and you get to experience these um, uh, the, the group share in terms of, hey, what's worked, what hasn't? Um, these are questions I'm living in. Oh, I've had that question, but I didn't even know how to articulate it. It really generates a very rich, wonderful conversation. And we call it the Rich Life Portfolio because it's about how to design and create and live into living and leading a truly rich life. Having money, having wealth is a great place to start, but very few of us are taught, trained, shown how to lead a rich life. And so we bring Even in... the freedom. Uh, yeah, the freedom of it. And so, um, Jamie, do you want to speak into the different ingredients of it a little bit in terms of um, the past, the future, and the present? Sure. So, you know, part of the way that we help work with clients, and this is an overarching theme of our work, is, is that it's always positively focused. We believe that you can get a lot more by focusing on your strengths and um, than trying to fix the things in the past. So we do look at the past to see whose shoulders you're standing on. We look to see what are the messages, as, as we asked in our inspiring invitation, what are the messages you've grown up with? And then give people the opportunity to sort of choose which ones are for them and which ones aren't for them. And then we move into the future and designing the future that you want to create. And then we move into the present. So we pull from the past, we pull from the future, and then we start to plan in the present to actively start to take action steps and to be supported by the other women in the group to move towards your goals. So this intensive Sometimes we do rich life portfolio in general. Sometimes we offer it for specific groups. This one happens to be specifically for women inheritors. And we have just a couple. I think we have maybe two more spaces left. Um, we would love to have people join us. You can find out more information by going to our website, wealthlegacygroup.net. You can email us at info at wealthlegacygroup.net. Um, or you can call us at 510-406-7178. Um, we'd love to have you join us for this one. Um, or tell us that you're interested in, in a different place. We would love to go to any of those fabulous locations where people emailed us from. Um, and we do this work privately, and we also do it with groups. It's particularly powerful in groups and for couples. Yeah, and it's really exciting because when people find out about it, there's um, there's this really, there's just ah, oh, like just wow, I really have access to something I've been looking for and didn't even know existed. And I was just in Arizona last week, as you know, um, and I met with uh, two extraordinary women in Tucson, and we just had a lovely lunch and a chance to really connect. And we just met because we all knew a person in common. And as a result of that conversation, we're going to be, we're going to be doing a, a, a women and wealth conversation in Tucson that um, may lead into a rich wife portfolio there in the future. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you for your questions. Keep bringing them on. Email sylviaglobalradio at gmail.com and let us know by putting wealth psychology listener questions into the subject line, and we will get your questions up on the Facebook page so you can be anonymous, get your questions answered. Thanks so much, Jamie. Love talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your evening in Israel, 
and we ask our listeners to enjoy your lives and step into leading a truly rich life today. Thank you, Emily, and thank you, listeners. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.